we're all so amazingly awkward, it's not even funny. Again, think about watching somebody in their own environment when they don't know anybody's watching or watch you in your own environment. Mm. You are not a perfect specimen, but you are. From cave drawings to family histories to stories around the fire, humans crave order among chaos, connection amid isolation. So we tell stories. Our mission at the Storytellers Network is to bring the art of story to the masses. Whether you're in marketing, you're an entrepreneur, or you're developing your own personal brand, telling your story effectively can make the difference between celebrating milestones and collecting unemployment. The Storytellers Network strives to help storytellers tell their stories so you can learn from the best. Now, your host, Dan Moyle. Welcome to the Storytellers Network podcast. You're in for a treat today. My guest is high energy, lots of animation behind his his voice and his delivery. It is absolutely fantastic. But before we get there to the story, a quick reminder that my website has all the information you need, great resources available to better tell your story, past episodes to inspire you, and contact information for me if you want to reach out. It's all at thestorytellersnetwork.com. So check that out. Now, today's today's guest is a, is a podcast host, a digital media and creative consultant, and an entrepreneur, and an absolute character and a blast to listen to. Josh Carey spent 40 years in hiding. He says that he hid every aspect of himself, showing up with a mask on in all areas of, of life, trying to gain approval of everyone else. Back when he was 19, he changed his name and entered what will become a 15-year career as a professional actor and filmmaker. But that applause and external accolades that he sought after so hard did not heal his feelings of anxiety and insecurities. He eventually found himself more isolated than ever. Fast forward to today, and Josh helps his clients unmask themselves by leading them through poignant, important, and direct questions, resulting in a profound and honest experience that reveals aspects, desires, and philosophies within them that have been dormant for years. Unmask yourself with Josh. It's so much fun uh, to get into this with him. He also hosts the podcast, The Hidden Entrepreneur Show, where he sits with entrepreneurs, creatives, and small business owners who were once in the darkest of places. In other words, he helps them understand and share their story. So let's get to Josh's story. Josh, thanks for joining me today for the Storytellers Network. Welcome to the show, man. Well, thank you. So, so excited to be here. I appreciate it. Absolutely, man. You've got quite a, a story that I want to dive into. Um, Do I? I? I think so anyway. I mean, gosh, you've been hiding for 40 years. Uh, I love well, that. Yeah. Thank you for getting it and uh, knowing that. Yeah. Uh, now, I want to start though, maybe an obvious question. You're on the Storytellers Network. Do you consider yourself a storyteller, Josh? Um, certainly. And I will qualify that by um, asking you, don't we all? I mean, I'd like to think so. Yeah. And I'd like to think that many of us do it purposefully, you know, but some of us kind of just do it inherently, don't even realize it. That's the thing I found kind of interesting is that when people come on the show and I ask them that, I think of them as storytellers. Some of them are like, well, I mean, I guess I never thought of myself that way, but, but yeah. So it's kind of a fun discovery thing. So. Yeah, I love that because uh, I've, I come from the acting and film world, so I have that luxury where that's all about story, right? So I've always identified with that, at least in that regard. But even, even today, thinking about that question, um, you know, stories, as you know, come in all shapes and sizes, and um, we're, we, we are all absolute storytellers, and I love story. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, an incredible 
thing to be part of our lives professionally. Uh, it is, it is personally anyway, but professionally it's so much fun. Is that, is that acting and stuff? Is, is that filmmaking? Is that where it started for you as a storyteller or is it before that even? Oh, much before that. Um, I think, as I'm sure you know, there are two types of stories. There are the stories others tell us. And then, of course, the stories we tell ourselves. That perpetual belief and that story we keep alive in our minds, for better or worse. So my personal story, uh, which was for worse, started at a very young age. I, uh, because of surrounding circumstances, you know, and the need to survive and the mechanism that's in place for survival, I started telling myself a story of, uh, you know, the typical, I'm not worthy, I'm not capable, nobody cares, I'm not valuable. So that was my story for many, many years early on. And that obviously develops into things like anxiety and, and I mean, just uh, untold things, right? Yes. Which. Which, I mean, I laugh, but like, I mean, really, it's, it's obviously a very serious thing, but that's where, where you struggled and where now you seem to help others kind of uncover that and get to the root of it and kind of fix it, I guess. Huh? Or at least, maybe not fix yeah. it, deal with it, yeah? Yeah, uh, fix it is an interesting term, but it's really um, acknowledging the opposing story. Because for me, I would tell myself this, um, you know, and show up in the world in every situation, in, in all kinds of life, business, social, personal relationships, perpetuating this story for myself that nobody cares, I'm not capable. And then I created the circumstances in my life to allow that to mirror and be the case. And I went with that for, for many, many years and then um, would, would go behind closed doors and have a lot of anger and resentment because I knew differently. Uh, so there was that whole struggle and conflict internally that I'm showing up uh, with this label, keeping myself in this box, allowing others to help me perpetuate this false story I wanted to continue to tell myself and then beat myself up behind closed doors because the real power was struggling to get out. And I had to suppress that and deny that for years, knowing full well what I was capable of. Yeah. And did you have someone help you get there? You know, there are a lot of people who perpetuate that story in their minds. Did someone help you and that's why you're helping others or did it just kind of click for you somehow? It's an interesting question. Um, I tried to help myself for so long. I read the books. Um, I went in and out of traditional therapy for a, a little while. It, I guess it did fine. It, it, it wasn't the thing. Um, but then looking to current day, um, I attribute my two adoring children. I have a five-year-old daughter, a three-year-old son that truly have been the the catalyst really the mirror they provided for me for really just getting out of that false story and seeing the better story so my children really inadvertently and directly helped me and and what is it about having that mirror in front of you that just wakes you up what what is it that, that you looked at them and you went i gotta change this so uh, in the earlier part of their lives, I mean, they're only five and three now, but even for the first good portion of their lives, I was that miserable, angry, frustrated, resentful human being. I just couldn't get it right. 
Um, and I didn't know why. I felt like I was um, putting good things out, but I, I wasn't really because I wasn't myself. I was showing up as this, you know, concocted version of myself and then wondered why it's not working, why people aren't connecting. So uh, I, I also, all throughout my life, always knew that I wanted to be a father. I knew that I might, might be good at it. I'd enjoy it. But I also knew that I would never get to the point where I willingly would feel mature enough, responsible enough, ready enough to tell whoever I was in the relationship with, you know, honey, now is the time, let's have children. I never would have been able to verbalize that. It just wouldn't have happened. But the universe or the God or the higher power, whatever you believe in, had different plans. I was in a committed relationship with my girlfriend at the time, who has since become my wife, and we're going along the dating journey, and she calls me up one beautiful September morning and says, are you sitting down? <laughs> and I look around, and I'm like thinking, where is this going? And I'm like, yes. And she says, we're pregnant. And I was ecstatic. Nothing in me resisted because I always knew that this was going to be magnificent. I embraced it. I said, yes, this is the perfect way that all this should have and could have happened. Uh, and now we have a, a beautiful marriage and a gorgeous five-year-old and a, an adorable three-year-old. But even going back to the first portion of their lives, when I was miserable and angry and resentful, I didn't know how they were going to perfectly mirror me because as you know, children and kids are just these perfect beings that come into the world in, in perfect harmony. And they showed me that. They are all kinds of fun and playful and independent and loving and kind and all these things that I never was, first of all. So I'm watching it, observing it, loving it, but still kicking and screaming and then my kids are saying, oh, okay, so that's how you react to situations. Got it. No, 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 no. Don't, don't do what I'm doing. You, you be the good, amazing people. Let me figure this out over here. So finally, I realized I just got to step aside. And I didn't want to continue to show up desperate, insecure, needy, seeking approval. And then my children only knowing that to follow projecting myself 20 years in the future, seeing my daughter, let's say, uh, in that role and watching her now as a young adult seek approval. I didn't like what that could have turned into. It could get very ugly very quickly. So I wouldn't be able to live with myself then if I witnessed that. So that was a big wake-up call thinking, I have to get this right now. Mm -hmm. And and I did. I basically took a cold, hard look at myself. I took an honest look at myself, knowing full well what my non-serving habits were throughout any given day. We all do things we know aren't the best for us, but for one reason or another, we do it. Um, and I had to put a stop to that. But I didn't take off more than I could chew. I knew that it was going to be a slow and steady process, just replacing one thing at a time with somewhat better habits. And once, once somebody kind of figures that out and they say, okay, I need to make a change, you know, too much negative self-talk, too much anxiety is having that person to walk you through it. Pretty important. 
I think it's extremely important. Um, it's if if you're alone and nobody's around you, maybe it's a little easier. What's less easy is being surrounded by people who kick and scream and resist your change because that is going to happen. You are changing. You're evolving for the better, of course, but people have already come to know you, like you, and accept you as a certain version of yourself. And I was always willing to agree to that less than ideal version of myself for that sake, for not to rock the boat, for not to make them feel uncomfortable, it's not to embarrass them. So once you start making these changes, it's paramount to surround yourself with the right people because they could make or break everything about you. So slowly but surely, you're going to get resistance from people because you're evolving, you're changing, and uh, literally, you're shining a light on now their insecurities and their shortcomings, and they now have to take a cold, hard look. Well, well, what is he doing? I don't like that because we all are a mirror and a reflection for each other. And uh, so, surrounding yourself with the right people is really all it's about. I've heard I've heard it said that uh, you are the sum or the a- the average of the five people that you surround yourself with, and mm-hmm. so I mean I think that makes sense. You know, you try and improve yourself, um, and then also have maybe somebody leading you, which is I understand what you do. So that's that's good work. Uh, yeah. So so I, I want to know, Josh, how how important is your story to what you do, and sharing your story to what you do. Well, the more I do it, great question. The more I do it, the more I realize it's, it's of paramount importance. It's everything. Uh, because I now, having gone through this and having overcome, like you said, anxiety, I was the, I was the look of anxiety um, and all my uh, rituals and habits supported that, a, a ball of crazed anxiety. Um, so because I was able to overcome, so to speak, all of that and put different habits in place and confront these fears and turn away from certain circumstances uh, and say, thanks, but no thanks. I'm going to be over here. Now I'm able to tell my story and it's valuable to people who need to hear it. The people who don't need to hear it aren't ever going to hear it. But the people who show up and can hear it and need to hear it are going to benefit. And that's really all life is, right? The sharing of story and experience through through different mediums, through the written word, through video, through audio, through art, through drawings, through a whole heap of, of outlets to share story. And what is it, do you think, that is, is built within us that story connects on that level? Where, do you, where does that come from? It's... It's almost like without story, we would communicate factually and no emotion. Certainly story is all about um, emotion and feeling and translating a circumstance from one person to another. So I think that the power of story is, is really substantial. It... When I'm telling you something, if I were to just tell you fact one, fact two, fact three, the retention rate might not even be there or the interest might not be there because there's no emotional 
investment. But because we are, we are born literally to tell stories, right? We've been doing it for how long? Ever. Mm-hmm. We've been sitting around telling stories. Even when your spouse comes home, oh my gosh, you'll never believe what happened to me. Boy, I'm all ears. Now, now, now comes hopefully a great story. Now, is, is story and sharing that a big part of why you do what you do on the Hidden Entrepreneur Show to hear those stories and help others share them? Yeah, I didn't realize when I first started the podcast, I, I always knew that I'd, I'd like doing this, but I never realized how much I would enjoy and embrace doing this. And I adore talking with other people. And a big thing of what I do is not only discuss who they are today, what they've accomplished, what they're working on, what they're doing, but I do take them back to their childhood from like day one. Let's go back there. What was life like growing up for you as a child? And I always think practically anybody in the space could be a great guest for me because it's not about what their accomplishments are today. Yes, we touch upon that, but more to the point as we're talking about is, let me hear your story. And we all have one. And I have a knack for discussing it and bringing it out and taking you through the journey of it. So in that, that keeps the interest, right? That's what becomes fascinating and intriguing, at least to me. And then that transfers to the audience. So presenting the story in a way that affects the people, allows them to go on an emotional journey so they can start putting themselves in the story and see how it relates to them which is the other big point of story. You start putting yourself into that role and, um, and you start envisioning yourself as a different, hopefully better person for it. So for you, is story sharing part of storytelling, curating part of storytelling? Well, absolutely, because that then becomes part of my story, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And then it just continually builds on itself. And I also, was something else that I heard you say, Josh, I don't know if we can chase the surface, it's just kind of a fact, but to change your story, you have to know your story and be willing to, to dig into it. Does that? Oh, uh, kind of yes. Yes. That's a thing. That is a thing. You're absolutely correct. Um, what I think you're, you're, you're touching upon is the importance of self-awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's twofold. It's self-awareness and honesty. And um, you, you have to become so self-aware and so willing to take a, a cold, hard, honest look into yourself. Only then can you be ready, willing, and able to change. You have to see what's going on within you and around you and then take an honest look and identify it. If somebody's kind of feeling a little bit insecure, but not sure how much it's holding them back, they're on the fence about this whole thing. How would you, because I feel like a lot of us have those insecurities, especially in the creative space, but really really anybody. I mean, I I think anyway, um, especially people who are a little bit independent though and put themselves out there. What do you say or do to get them off that fence of like, maybe I'm a little insecure, but, but I got this. How do you get them off of that? Uh, They have to, Really, again, going back to the honest look, they have to identify where they are today and where they want to be. Certainly, if somebody is 
in a space where they're like, no, my life's cool. Everything's going along fine. And they have some insecurities. They have no real reason, no real motive, no real why to address them, to move forward. So certainly they're going to want to, like for me, it was my children though that if I was, uh, if I didn't have children today, I, I could not see myself changing. There was not that strong enough. Why? And they thankfully, uh, because of these, you know, universal powers that bestowed these children on me at that time, I was 39, a little bit later in life, but certainly not too late in the game. Um, and, and that made all the difference. So until there's a strong enough reason for you to get from point A to point B, it's just not going to happen. Gotcha. So the struggle or the pain has to outweigh the comfort. Obviously. Yeah. yeah. Makes sense. So Josh, what's one of the, so you, you obviously love telling stories. You're, you're very good at it, sharing stories as well. Um, what's a big challenge though that you've seen in storytelling that you've had to overcome? Uh, a, big, a big challenge is making it interesting, hmm. holding the listener's attention, making it emotional, giving it a point, having a, an outcome, a reason for telling the story. I think too often we'll, we'll get into a story, whether it's in personal or business, and there's just no real point, or the storyteller isn't certain of the point. This happens in business all the time. You'll, you'll see things or hear things or watch things, and it's almost like, so what? What am I supposed to do about that? What am I supposed to do with that? So the, there, there has to be a reason, an outcome, a desired effect for the story. And that's a struggle because as you know, storytelling is an art. It's a craft. It's a skill. It's something you can work on. Now, yes, we're all inherently driven to tell stories, but not everybody is good at it. I sometimes joke because my wife, where I'll something will just happen to us and now we're we're about to tell our friends and she'll she'll blurt out the punchline and our car broke down i'm like no wait we have to build it up <laughs> yeah no wait why'd you just say that yes our car but listen what happened so we had plans to go out on friday night right it was raining we haven't been out in a month so we're dying to go so now I'm setting it up, right? So all these things, but you know, so it's everybody wants to and loves to tell stories, but there's certainly uh, a right way and a not right way to do it. Absolutely. Um, I want to get back to something you said that triggered in my mind about businesses. We'll get back to that, but I want to know too, um, when it comes to, to challenges, do those challenges you're talking about, are they exacerbated at all by today's technology, like social media and websites and everything? Has that made storytelling more difficult? Or has it made it more easy? That's what I'm wondering, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, uh, the, the outlets are certainly there. Um, but it, what, it's do, what it's done is force you to, to up your game. Because we, we all want a voice. We all have the opportunity and potential for a voice. But unless your storytelling doesn't have a point or doesn't serve, all the social media outlets aren't going to help. But on the other hand, if you find 
the truth within to tell your story, which is really what it's about. That's what people are drawn to, right? And then learn as much as you can every day. Uh, it's, like I said, it's an art. It's a skill. This is something that can absolutely be learned and be um, skillfully crafted. So when you talk about learning, <clears throat> where do you go to hone your skills and to learn? Do you have people or, that you look up to for that? Not, not in that regard, in the storytelling, but I think that if you open yourself up to opportunity, which I love, I love about business, I love about connections, just the idea of opportunity and seeing what's out there and being open to any available option in the form of opportunity, you'll, you'll get ideas. You'll get story. The more self-aware you are and involved moment to moment, you'll start gathering these stories for yourself. Life happens, business happens. So if you just go throughout your day with an awareness of what's happening and be present and be in the moment, you're going to be able to craft these stories and you're going to be able to tell them and share them with the people who want and need to hear what you have to say. So it's less about finding the ultimate storyteller to model yourself after and more like just being open and constantly evolving. Yeah, well, I think, I think what, what we're also talking about now is finding your voice. And sure, there's structure to story that's been established millennia ago. Um, but you, you can also discover your own style of storytelling, which is a whole other conversation. And through that, you discover your voice and how you speak and how you show up and what words you use and who you're talking to and how they hear you and how they perceive you. So it's all things that can be learned through execution just doing it over and over again and practicing it, recording it, listening to it, putting it out there, seeing a response, honing it, adjusting it. And, and I know that you, one of your, uh, I don't know if it's a mantra or a motto or what, but you, you, you need action no matter your age. Life is almost over. You don't need permission to find your voice. Can you explain a little bit more about how that looks in people's lives? Yeah, so... So this year I'm turning 45 and that, that doesn't scare me, but it surprises me because I realize what I've not wasted, I would never use that word, but what I've uh, failed to achieve because of specific choices uh, or lack thereof choices, my first half of my life. And I say my first half of my life because at 45, if I... If I make it to 90, best case scenario, my life is half over, right? So I see this and I'm not willing to now take any more of a percentage where I'm not showing up as myself, doing what I know I want to be doing and using my voice. So because I spent all these first half years stifling my voice and uh, denying my voice, I always knew it was there. So now all I got to do is use it. And I mean, it sounds to me like that can be anybody, whether it's low level starting off storyteller to business executives, find that voice and live it. Make sense? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, so I'm going to go back to, to the business and I just kind of alluded to that right now. Um, when you talked earlier about business leaders, you know, I think of people that have these insecurities that they wear these masks as people who are storytellers of kind of a, just starting out maybe a, a, a less mature storyline, I guess you could say, but it sounds to me like, I mean, you're working with everybody from storytellers to business executives at all levels. I mean, is there, I kind of take a little bit of comfort in that. Is that what you're finding though? Is that we have these masks at all levels of professionalism? Absolutely. Yeah. I I mean, it's such a, it's it's such an intriguing thing because somebody's status or level of achievement doesn't seem to adjust their level of insecurity or fear and how they respond in the face of it. It's almost like our default setting is to run from it. And it's the strangest thing because I talk about being ready, willing, and able to, to do something, to take an action. And until you are ready, willing, and able, nothing's going to happen. Now, I'll jump to the, to the willing part because ready is, is, is all about is the timing right? Why is this timing the right time to do what you want to do? What happens if you don't do it now in this moment? What do you, have to, what do you stand to lose? What do you stand to gain? But the willing part is, is almost more fascinating to me because this if you're standing on a diving board and your desire is to dive headfirst into the pool, we talk about the ready is now the time to do this. Now, once we get through that, this is the fascinating part. The willing part is simply, are you willing to accept all possible outcomes? So what we do, and these are for better or worse. So what we do is we stand there and what do we typically do in our head we outline, we make up in our head, nobody's feeding this to us. We sit there and we figure out all the things that could go wrong that are going to stop us from diving off that diving board. And we are making up all these scenarios in our head. Let me repeat that. We are making up all these scenarios in our head that keep us firmly planted on that diving board. Little do we know that all we have to do is change that story. These are now stories in our head. Change that story of what we think is going to happen. So now we go all these steps into the future of what's going to happen wrong and why we're not going to dive in the diving board. Again, we are making up these stories for ourselves and we don't make up a better story that is really going to be the outcome that will happen if we were to dive off that board. You got such a passion for this. I'm I'm so (laughs) just like, man, I'm so excited about this. Uh, Thank you. So it sounds like, I mean, it sounds to me like we make up these stories in our heads, but in reality, we're making up stories regardless. Why not make them positive? Why not own it and find our voice, right? Yeah, it doesn't make sense. But but that's, you know, logic, it, it never comes into this, right? What what comes into this is emotion, which goes back to the story. That's, you know, stories are to, you know, uh, provide feeling and emotion to the person listening. So we, we create these stories that then create the emotion and then put the fear in us. And then we keep the excuse alive and tell us, tell ourselves all the reasons we can't, won't, or shouldn't do it, but we have to excuse it so we can live with it. The only way we can live with those choices of ours 
They are choices, right? We have a choice to dive or not to dive, choice one or choice two. The only way we can live with that choice is to make up an excuse that we justify. Mm-hmm. And even when we don't choose, we're choosing. So you might as well make the choice that has a positive outcome, right? So true. <laughs> I love it, Josh. I love it. I'm excited, man. Um, so one of, the, one of the other things I know that you talk about is uh, something that, that is very near and dear to my heart because uh, I am very awkward and I love awkward comedy of like Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant in the Ooh. British office. Uh, Thank you for bringing them up, by the way. <laughs> Ricky Gervais, Stephen Merchant. Wow. Yeah. I, 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 I have not yet spoken about them on a show. So uh, thanks well, for bringing them into the conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I, love, I love the original office um, yeah. even more. So I, I, I get such slack for this, but um, I, I, I watched the original office prior to the American office. So mm-hmm. I couldn't get into the American office, but regardless. Um, yes. Yeah. Well, it's funny yeah. because I, I was given a, the DVD of the original office just before the American version came out, or at least before I discovered it I watched it, loved it. And then got into the American version. And yes. at first I was like, man, this is just a copy. But eventually got its own feet. But yeah, the original. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely yeah. the best. And then from there, like extras. Ooh, extras, and, yes. Yeah. Extras, so, yep. So I love awkward. Go for it. I love to make things awkward. But you talk about except, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> except the awkward. I'm sorry. I, 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 I just love that you said you like to make things awkward because, man, I'm, I'm there. I've been there. In, I, I used to do this much more um, in my heyday. Um, but I, I would feed on even strangers, like getting in a one-on-one conversation and just providing where they don't know if I'm being serious. You know, it's that whole thing where you make a comment and then it just, it just sort of puts them in that field of, wait, is this, is this for real? And then they go with it. Yeah. So I love that you said you love to make the offer. Go ahead. I mean, you might as well, right? Like, I mean, life life is too short. Yeah, but but you talk about accept the awkward. What does that mean for you in your world, and and how are we using our unique awkwardness to to better ourselves? Well, for for whatever reason, the word awkward has such a bad rap. I mean, right. it's it's it seems to be in the negative connotation field. But I like to bring it a little more center and have the conversation that we are all awkward. We are human flawed beings, perfectly so. We are so awkward. It's not even funny. And to try to think that if you really look at a person or watch a person, God forbid I were to watch you when you don't know you're being watched. You want to talk about awkward <laughs> or vice versa? Thank you. Like, like, I mean, like you're cracking up. We are awkward human beings. Let's embrace that. Let's accept that. Let's not think that this is something that has to be deemed part of a social outcast here. I am awkward. You are awkward. And that's what makes us beautiful. That's what makes us brilliant. I don't need one more thing that I have to worry about or beat myself up over because, oh my gosh, I'm being awkward. Am I I too awkward? Does he think I'm awkward? No, I love being awkward. It doesn't mean anything. It means our individuality and what it means to be perfectly unique. We're all so amazingly awkward. It's not even funny. Again, think about watching somebody in their own environment when they don't know anybody's watching or watch you in your own environment. Mm. You are not a perfect specimen, but you are. 
That's right. Perfectly awkward. And, and owning, owning that voice yeah. is so important as storytellers. So. And it's hysterical. I mean, I, like you brought, I, I mean, going back to the whole um, Ricky Gervais thing, I spent uh, a career in, in acting, but the, the comedy niche. I was part of a comedy team and that was, all, that was my shtick. So I, I just learned to embrace the awkward and use it like some of those comedians uh, are so able yeah. to do. Yes, and right, and in yeah. improv anyway, yeah, Ab- absolutely, and and in life, and in and life, in life, and, and in life, and uh, and how has that translated for you into the business world? Are you able to use all of that acting experience to be able to do what you do? Surprisingly, yes. And the more that I go along my journey, and the more that I grow, the more that I realize I'm using and bringing to the table all the best parts that I've learned and that um, that worked for me back in the day, especially on a podcast or as a podcast host. That's all. That's why I love being at the mic. That's why I love being in front of the camera. That's why I love being on stage and sharing my message. That's a, that's a performance. It's a performance. And for the record, it's something, again, that anybody with a desire can do. You can perfect it. You think I was good 10, 12 years ago on some of my videos? I was atrocious. Don't go back and look. My hair was like three feet tall. I was like, I can't believe that I with a straight face. You want to talk about awkward? That was awkward. So yeah, I use, just like we all use, every part of your life brings with it experience that is useful in the next day that you show up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're, we're all awkward and, and we all suck at first. Embrace the suck, right? That's what I, I, I did a, a curriculum thing for my sales team today and talked about that I was recreating and talked about oh, after 500 videos for Morgan's company, I got pretty okay at it. But the first ones were terrible. Don't be afraid to suck at first. It's okay. <laughs> It's so true. And then some people who, you know, you, um, you, you suggest that they should get on camera, do a video and they're like, Oh no, but I hate the way I look. I hate my voice. I hate the way I sound. I hate this. Yes, of course we all do. The only way you're going to get through it is to get through it and do it. I was atrocious. My, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. We're all in the same boat together. Come on. Yeah. Just do it. So where do you find your inspiration for telling your stories like you do? Is, does it come from just your experience? Is there something specific that you have to do it every day? What's your, your inspiration faucet? Um, life. Yeah. Moment to moment, an awareness. My children who just I adore. I got to go back to that. I didn't realize that I would embrace fatherhood so much. But not only have they, have they been that perfect mirror for me to say, oh my goodness, I've been doing this all wrong. That's how I have to do it. Um, I just, you know, typically put, I'm a proud father. They're so much fun. They're, they're energizing, all that stuff. So I find inspiration moment to moment in life with a self-awareness. And it's sort of like, I, I've heard this, that um, when you... Everybody says in the um, health world that you got to hydrate. You got to drink a ton of water, right? But then there's also the paradox that you realize when you start drinking a good amount of water every day, you actually find yourself more thirsty. And I think the reason is because your, your, your brain and your body start using it more effectively, so you have to take more. But the point is that is every bit 
of the case in this regard. When you start looking for moments, moments just appear. When you start looking for these moments of story and things that you can share and things that are happening to you, they just start building on themselves and you don't struggle after a while. It's the kind of thing, like anything else, you make a habit and it becomes so. Great advice. Absolutely. Um, Josh, I want to get to my last question here in just a moment. Before I do, though, I want to make sure everybody has a chance to connect with you. What's the best place to reach Josh Carey online? JoshCarey.com. Awesome. Uh, I will link Thanks. to that and your other links as well in, in the show notes. Um, so anybody listening that's inspired as much as I am, uh, check out Josh's links. But now, again, before we go, I want to know, if someone said to you, now, now at the very beginning of this, you said, aren't we all storytellers? It's just kind of there. And that's true. However, somebody said to you tomorrow, you can't be a storyteller anymore, Josh. You got to find something else to do. What would your last story be that you'd want to have be your, your encore, your last story? Well, that's a good question. Um, it, would be, it would be my life story. And it would take you through um, how I grew up and what that life was like all the way through my childhood and showing up as the person just seeking approval in desperation, in eighth grade, finding that I got bit by the acting bug, inadvertently being cast as the comic relief. I had no idea. You know, the person responsible for relieving the tension through humor and just all kinds of jest. And uh, I did that and people were laughing um, probably at me. Let's be real. But I didn't care because the moments were there and I'm like, wow, this feels amazing. Uh, so I uh, then pursued a career looking for that external, external validation and accolade, uh, taking you through all the trials and tribulations of my life as a performer, getting kicked out of college, asking not to return, thinking, what am I going to do now? finding an audition notice that led me to New York City, which wonderfully got accepted. And that led to my 15-year career, still a life of desperation. And then I would continue the story of how I then found myself in a three-year marriage that took me to Texas. What? <laughs> and then... And then that didn't work, bumped me back to uh, New Jersey, my home state, one year living with my parents, figuring out what I'm going to do. And that's where in that year, I met the girl who will become my wife, that fateful call September morning, are you sitting down? We're pregnant. Life is amazing. I have two beautiful kids. I'm on your podcast. No other story to tell. That's awesome. A lot of fun, man. Great energy. Thank you so much for being on this show, Josh, and bringing this story to the listeners, man. Uh, keep, keep rocking it, man, for sure. <laughs> oh, thank you. And I love what you're doing. I love this whole concept, this story. Absolute pleasure to be able to talk about it. I appreciate it. All right, there you have it. Thank you once again to Josh Carey. What a bundle of energy. So much fun. You can connect with him at the links in the show notes, as I mentioned. And if you enjoyed this episode, someone else out there could benefit from it. Please share it, post it to social media, send it to him, whatever you got to do. Hit the little share button on your podcast player and text it even. That is all fantastic. And leave a review if you're happy with the, uh, with the show. And if you want to send me a message, go to the storytellersnetwork.com to the contact page and hit contact Dan. Shoot me an email. There you go. Or find me on Twitter. Facebook, LinkedIn, wherever. Shoot me a message and we'll have a conversation. Hey, until next time, 
Thanks for listening. Here's to telling our stories and having those stories to tell. Cheers. Thank you.